Welcome to What Gets You Cooking, the podcast reinventing the way we look at food, cook it, and share it. I'm Virginie Fai-Georgia, your host on the podcast, and every other Friday I will share interviews and perspectives of food experts like chefs, nonprofits, cooking schools, dietitians, farmers, and families to help you get inspired to simplify your cooking the way you think about it so you can have fun in your kitchen and nourish everyone in the family. I want to welcome you to a community of families who want to lead a more balanced life, taking care of themselves inside and out. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Erica Du, co-founder of a series of events called Let's Talk Food, where they invite food systems experts to help demystify how the U.S. food supply chain works. Let's Talk Food is a community of conscious food consumers looking to use what they learn to make more equitable and sustainable food choices. Hi, Erica. So why don't you let us know how you got started with Let's Talk Food? It was last May, right? It was last May, yeah. So essentially... Eli and I both come from a tech background. So I actually was trained as a software engineer and I'd always been super passionate about food and Eli developed this new passion for food. And we um, are both also very, very interested and passionate about climate change. And food was something I was always interested in, but never thought of as like a, a career path for me. Mm-hmm. And something, something changed in February when I realized like how closely connected our food systems were to climate. And then I I realized that I didn't actually understand a lot of how the food system worked. Like it was very opaque to me. And Eli and I kind of started on this journey of learning more about the food system through talking to different experts in the food supply chain. So I had met this woman who used to run supply chain for Chopped. And during that conversation, I was just like, first of all, blown away by how delicate everything was. But then also she shared that like 90% of all lettuce in America came from Yuma, Arizona and the Golden Imperial Valley of California. And that was just like super mind boggling to me. And we, we were like, wow, if, we're going to be doing this anyway. Like we would love to share this knowledge with other people. Um, And we, we hosted our first event with the same woman um, about a week later, had like 20 people show up and kind of went from there. We like kept on getting referrals, different people that we should have on in our event series. Those people would refer us further and We've been taking it one event at a time and one speaker at a time and one topic at a time. And now we've kind of grown to, I think we've had around six to eight events and we've grown our community from like 20 people on that first event to like 300 people on our email list, like 50 to a hundred people coming to our virtual events. That's great. Uh, That's really impressive. Yeah. We're super, super, we're both super grateful and also very um, surprised by, I think, the amount of people that are also interested and passionate about the same things that we are. But yeah, I think, I think COVID definitely has shown us how broken and fragile our food supply 
chain is and um, how much work needs to be be done in our food systems. And I think right now there's a lot of energy to learn. Yeah, contribute in some way. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, there is so much to say. I'm um, I'm by no means an expert in the supply food system in the US, but I, I have heard and read extensively about it. And every time it's like, wow, mind-blowing information one at a time. So I think it's uh, it's really great that you're having those events. I think it's um, an easy entryway for a lot of people. And uh, that can only be beneficial, I think, if people are getting involved and getting interested in what they're eating and how it's um, all made. That's, uh, for me, going in the right direction. Food is such a easy entryway to talk about all of these other topics like social justice and racial justice. And I think the intersections, yeah, the intersections between food and ethics and food and sustainability absolutely are the things that um, have been getting our community super excited. And yeah, something that we're really excited to keep exploring for sure. Do you have one or two main takeaways from the, um, the first events that you hosted so far? Yeah, so one of the one of the surprising things which is also very hopeful is that consumers have a larger say than we think. So I think in a lot of these like very large gnarly issues, it's like policy 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 and policy is a huge will play a huge role in our food systems. But over and over again, what we hear from the entrepreneurs that come on and the leaders of organizations that come on our um, event series is that consumers do have a huge voice in the food industry and what we demand, restaurants and brands will respond to what we demand and what we want. So, for example, like a simple thing, like if you care about sourcing your meat more sustainably, then maybe what you do is every time you go, every time you go to a restaurant and you see meat, you ask the waiter or you ask the restaurant owner where they source that meat. Mm-hmm. And if they hear that from enough people, they'll start caring where they source their meat because they don't want a bad answer for you. Yeah, absolutely. Plant-based is becoming trendier and talking to, you know, sourcers for restaurants, they, they respond to that. They care about that. They're like, okay, I need to source plant-based milk now and plant-based proteins and not just meat and dairy because I know that that's what my consumers want. So I think that's the biggest takeaway has been how how consumer demand actually does affect the food industry. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, I think that's very true. And um, what I find kind of hopeful is that What you wanted to share started from just your personal passion. It's not, as you said, your expertise or your um, business. Yeah, this was really our way of getting getting a foot in the door and getting a sense of the food ecosystem. So this is, yeah, this is definitely not our main... main thing that we're both working on. But but Eli and I are are working together on a few other projects. What I find very interesting is that I don't know if it's people because people have more time right now with COVID and all of that. But what I noticed definitely during the past few years, maybe because of the last presidency, 
I find that more and more people, even if it's not your expertise, you just want to be involved. Everyone wants to be involved and understand that they can take ownership of what they're passionate about in their life. And so for you and Eli and um, me to a certain degree, it's about food. I think it's been really amazing to see how open and willing these food system experts are to share what they know and connect with other people that care. We have these breakout sessions after the speaker speaks and shares what they have to share. We have these breakout sessions where um, we split community members into like groups of four to five to connect after. And it's always um, very amazing to see how many people stick around and want to like keep talking to each other about these things. Um, and it's even more impressive that the usually the speaker will stay around too and want to continue connecting with like small groups on whatever they're brought in to talk about, whether that's like spices or, you know, racial justice and food or um, like regenerative agriculture. I think that's been, that's been super incredible to see as well. Yeah. That's, um, that's really interesting because you find that people are just interested and passionate about so many things and they are willing to learn and uh, I think now that we're all, most of us are still at home and um, kind of, in a sense, pushed to use more technology, it's like, okay, we can do that. Like, we don't have to say that we can't go to this event because we don't have the time or the money or whatever. It's like, it can all happen in a very easy, efficient way in the comfort of your home. So if you're interested, it, it, I think that there is a barrier that definitely is gone there. Yeah, even Eli and I, like I live in New York and he lives in California and we've been able to co-host these events. Um, and it has been very, it's been very cool to make connections like all across the country. I don't think that's something that would have happened um, without like, I guess, COVID pushing everyone to try to do virtual events and figure that out. I think the other interesting thing is because everybody, mm -hmm. and this was very true when we first started hosting these events, but everybody had been spending so, so much more time in the kitchen that everyone, yeah. had, everyone just wanted to start talking about this new hobby that they all acquired at the same time. Um, so I think, I think that was a, the other thing was that like, Everyone was cooking more, so everyone wanted to talk about food more and find other people that were also interested. And then food served just as a very um, – it, it, it was kind of like this thing that connected a bunch of other societal issues that people actually wanted to talk about as well. And we found it to be like a very easy entryway for people to be like, oh, food, like I have a connection to that. But, you know, I'm also curious about how that interacts with like food sovereignty and land ownership and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I find it um, it's something that everybody does every day. and uh, But it connects people around so many other areas or topics that they're interested in their life. So, And it does have an impact because it's so it's a daily thing that everybody does. So, What's your next event? Yeah, our next event is on... It's this coming Tuesday, um, October 27th, and we. this is the first nonprofit we're actually featuring and spotlighting. 
They are a um, Bay Area nonprofit organization um, called Planting Justice, and we are inviting their education director, um, Maya, on to talk about the specific piece of land that they are like co-developing and it is going to kick off our series on food sovereignty, which I'm excited to learn more about along with our community. So yeah, again, like what Eli and I said, we, we are not the experts here. We really truly are trying to invite experts um, so that we can all learn together. Yeah. I heard about them. It seems really interesting what they're doing. Yeah. And I think the specific project that uh, Maya is going to share about is they're working with this or- other organization and they- they're forming a community, community-based land trust and developing like a permaculture, doing a permaculture development on land. And then they're facilitating the ownership back to um, the indigenous tribes that had previously owned it. She's basically going to tell us, yeah, the entire story of like how that project came to be and how it's going. And I think it's like, yeah, first project of its kind in the Bay area. So I'm, I'm super excited. That's amazing. And um, how did you start? Like what, who was your first, uh, first guest? Was it someone you knew? Yeah, a first guest. So I have a really good friend um, that works at Spice. They're a robot restaurant. Okay. They're a fast, casual, robot-powered restaurant in Boston. And um, our first guest was their head of sourcing. Oh, great. Yeah, so she also used to be the head of supply chain. She's currently their head of supply chain, and she used to work um at chopped salad and so she came on and and gave a she gave a talk on um fast casual supply chains and how like sourcing works and where all of our food comes from go to a fast casual restaurant like chopped salad so yeah that was our first guest so i kind of knew her i knew her through a good friend of mine yeah well i'm um i'm really impressed that uh, you uh you grew your audience so fast and i'm uh I'm really excited for uh, more and uh, more events. Uh, do you have uh, a plan as um, as far as schedule goes? Do you want to try and host an event every month, every two weeks? Right now we're on a monthly cadence. Not yet. In the pa- we experimented with bi-weekly and in general, we're super open to experimentation. We have talked about doing more casual meetups or smaller events or like even uh, partnering with other organizations to like do book clubs or more like in-depth dives into whatever topic we have a speaker talk about. We haven't done any so far, but we are definitely looking to experiment with different formats. Um, Right now we're probably going to do a monthly speaker event and yeah, in the future, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, that's really interesting. And um, how can people find out about it? I know I found out about it on Eventbrite. Where, where else can they find you guys? Our main hub is definitely Eventbrite. And and you just have to follow Let's Talk Food. Follow Let's Talk Food. We recently put up a landing page um, at letstalkfoodseries.com. And there is a 
button. There's a connect button in our nav bar where it'll lead you to a form where you can join our email list. It's very like duct tape because it's just a Google form, but we will get you on our email list. That's the main way that we communicate with our community. Great. Um, and we also have a Facebook page and um, Instagram all under let's talk food series and you won't miss it. Our icon is like a, a little avocado mm-hmm. against like a bright yellow backdrop. So <laughs> pretty easily recognizable. Well, that's great. I'm excited. I'm going to um, join your next event on Tuesday. Yay. I'll just have to make plans for uh, babysitting with my husband. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we haven't had kids, but that'd be, that'd be uh we should we should really have an event that's focused on like youth and their parents because I feel like youth and parents have been spending a lot of time together and are look I don't, I don't know maybe this is not true but I, f- I feel like it'd be interesting to have like a like an event specifically for youth in the food space um, yeah and there are a couple of um, school foods slash nonprofits in the Bay Area that are providing that kind of education so that um, there is potential. There are plenty of people doing good work in that space. Yeah. At the same time, it's not quite common enough to my taste inside of the school. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 I think it's important to start early. I think it's much more easy. As you were saying, when we were chatting before the interview, you grew up um, helping your mom cook in the kitchen and that's why it seems familiar and that's why it's um, high interest for you. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. One cool thing uh, that's come from COVID kind of revealing all of the fractures in the food system is it seems like people have been rallying around their regions or their local food systems a lot more. Like we've been connected to a bunch of pretty local community based, I don't know what you would call them, not like mutual aid, but food, food networks, I guess, that have kind of popped up because of like in response to community need. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of the other thing I think that's been really cool is seeing all of these connections between parts of this food supply chain that I've never interacted before. So like, farms to food banks or like food banks to other food banks Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah i heard a great episode on a podcast about that i think the working podcast about how food bank can transfer what they have to each other yeah yeah i had no idea that they could do that that's that's great yeah and basically the beginnings of like forming this food grid like a decentralized Mm -hmm. grid absolutely our yeah, our hope is that we, you know, continue learning about all. I feel like it's like the more pieces that we uncover, the more questions that we have, and so I think we just like you know we dig a little bit in one area, and we're like, whoa, this opens up like a whole other section that we had never even thought about, and now we've done that a couple of different times. So there's just like this never ending, I think, a web of potential guests and pieces to like continue to talk about all right well i'll be uh i'll be on next tuesday i just i can't wait to see who um who your other guests might be in the future yeah we can't wait either <laughs> <laughs> yeah much most of this is definitely like work in progress 
um, constantly like meeting people and, and seeing what our community is interested in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, of course it's one of the topics that I'm passionate about. So uh, I'm very interested, but there is a lot to be said. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, as you said, I think consumers have much more power than what they think. To me, it's kind of, um, a two piece action first educating yourself and learning what you care about because not everybody necessarily cares about the same thing and two knowing that you can actually do things at at your own level i think i think those two pieces that you mentioned are super important to us as well and that we want people to learn at our events, but we also want people to follow up with action. And so mm-hmm. something that we really try hard to do is leave people with an actionable takeaway that they can do. So whether that's like, you know, we talk about it explicitly in the event on like what an, any individual can do, or sometimes like Eli will follow up with an email to our community after and say like, here's a list of tangible actions that you could take if you're, you know, if you want to do something about this topic, mm-hmm. here, are, here are some organizations that are doing similar work. If you want to, you know, continue to follow. So yeah, I think especially with issues around food or like just large existential problems in general, it can, it can become overwhelming if there's not like a small thing that we can all mm-hmm. kind of put into place and, yeah, something you feel is actionable for you at your level in your daily life and that won't take months of work on your end. Yeah, or it's like invest what you can. Um, yeah. And together we're like, well, chip away. And then eventually, hopefully, that will lead to policy being passed. Yeah. <laughs> happening at scale. But yeah, I think yeah, I think that's I think that's super important. All right. Well, thank you so much, Erica. I'll let you go for your day. Thank you for the work that uh, you're doing, all the events that you're hosting with Eli. And I guess I'll see you on Tuesday. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Um, I'm super excited to see all of the other people that you talk to as well. Yeah. It was super nice to meet you and have a great week. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye, Erica. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you liked it, don't forget to review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And share it. It's the best way to support it. If you don't want to miss any episodes, subscribe for free on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to my newsletter to hear my perspective on how you feel at ease in your kitchen. Just go to the website whatgetsyoucooking.com and leave me a note. Tell me how much fun you're having in your kitchen. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.